times. Raise your hand if you ever sang that song as a child. Now, here's the thing. Some of you may have sang that song, but you don't know the title as Dem Bones. And so, I'm going to gift you this morning, <clears throat> and I'm going to sing a song for you. Toe bone connected to the foot bone. Anybody know the song? Anybody didn't raise your hand? You're like, wait, hang on, I know that song. Foot bone connected to the heel bone. Am I embarrassing you, Kira? <laughs> Do you want to come help me sing? No? We've officially reached that age. Oh, my goodness. She begged me not to do any children's ministry services anymore. I thought this was going to come later in life. Heel bone connected to the ankle bone. Ankle bone connected to the shin bone. How about neck bone connected to the head bone? Yeah, I made a jump. I did. Now hear the word of the Lord. I'm not going to sing the whole song because you guys didn't pay for this talent today, okay? <laughs> Although it's often a mistaken, it's, it's mistaken for a folk song. This popular spiritual, it, it, it's really, it's, it, it pops up often around uh, Halloween. And so it was written, if you type in Dem Bones, Google Images will show you a bunch of bones and skeletons and Halloween lights and things like that. But it was actually written by an African-American author and composer named James Weldon Johnson. The song has no exact date of composition. However, it was first recorded by the famous Myers Jubilee Singers. Every time you hear Jubilee Singers, I just think of Branson. Maybe they went through Branson at some point. In 1928. Since that time, it's been re-recorded and made popular by a diverse group of musicians and performers. And all the song, the, the song has spooky undertones. The lyrics are actually taken from the biblical book of Ezekiel. Where the prophet Ezekiel visits the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 37. And he prophesies that the dead bones will one day rise again and there will be life in the dry, dead bones. It's actually a biblically-based song. So the next time you're singing the ankle bone connected to the shin bone, you can think that. You're actually singing a song that was written for the Word of God. There's a, a, quite a few variations of the song, but the format's pretty much the same. The song starts with an introductory verse and tells about the sequence of bones from toe upward and almost always ends with the command, now hear the word of the Lord. Although the specific bones change with each line in the song, I want to pull my title from just one word in that song. <laughs> I love that because you're like, wait. Shin, toe, head, knee. One word in that song that's in almost every line of the song. Any guesses? Good guess. Connected. I heard it. Somebody over here, you won the prize, but I, I, I just, I didn't hear you clearly, so I'm, unfortunately you didn't get it today. You get a spaghetti dinner that you're going to pay for tonight. How's that? 
connected. Lord, we love you. We are so grateful to be connected. We are so thankful to be a part of the church, Lord. You are so wonderful, and we're just thankful that you have called us to such a beautiful day like this, Lord, to be able to worship and exalt you and feel your presence and power. Lord, I pray that you'd speak through me. Let our hearts and minds be open to receive what it is you have in Jesus' name. Amen. The key word of that song and that I'm focused on today is, is connected. It's reminiscent of one of the key meanings of a Greek word for fellowship. For many apostolics, the word fellowship conjures up images of what we would have thought we would have done tonight after full church prayer. Like, yeah, we go to Culver's. Yeah, we go to wherever, you know. Um, and so you think about a meal after a full church prayer, after a, a Sunday service. Uh, maybe we think about a fellowship hall, you know. Oh, yeah, go to the fellowship hall. Or maybe a night of fellowship. And so when we think about fellowship, it usually includes food. Hallelujah. I'm at least in an apostolic Pentecostal church. We believe in food, right? Matter of fact, we're getting ready this week to have fellowship as we have annual 4th of July picnic and fireworks. And guess what today is? Today is the first day of third quarter signups for Refuge Church small groups. Small groups are another way to fellowship. And when you leave, you're going to see a table with small group signups. Sign up today. I'm, I'm thrilled. When I looked at the list, there are a slew of new facilitators, people who have not yet facilitated a refuge small group. So there's new opportunities. There's all kinds of days throughout the week. So you say, oh, Tuesday night doesn't work. Thursday night doesn't work. There's a Saturday morning group. There's, there, are, there are groups throughout the week for different genders, age groups. Sign up. And that's another way to fellowship. The last Wednesday night of this, of this next month, July, on July 31st, it's one of the few occurrences in a year where we have five Wednesdays in a month. When we have five Wednesdays in a month, that fifth Wednesday, we mix things up a little bit. And so on that fifth Wednesday, last time we had a fifth Wednesday, we had a night of worship here in the sanctuary. This fifth Wednesday is going to be a connect night. So you're going to come to church like normal, but in the lower level, there's going to be food, fellowship, games. It's going to be an evening where we just connect as the body and we eat great food. And that's coming up the last uh, Sunday or last Wednesday in July. Right now, our youth and hyphen group are gone at a camp out. They do a weekend camp out one, once a year every June or so. And so I stand here, and I miss their whole group. I can't stand it, but I know the value of it. And so that's why I'm like, yeah, you guys need to go. This is great. So they're out camping out. And I am telling you, when it was 96 degrees, I have never been more thankful in 10 years of pastoring that we have a youth pastor. Thank God for brother and sister Condren who are with them in 96-degree weather. Why do we do this? This church values connection. Why? Because the Bible values connection. The word for fellowship is found 19 times in the Bible, but Brother Kevin referenced that. It's church speak, you know? Sometimes we say, hey, are you know, imagine a guest. Imagine you've never stepped foot in a church, and you walk into a church, and somebody says, are you coming to fellowship? You might be like, uh, what is fellowship? 
Because it's kind of gotten associated a little bit as a church word, you know, more. I don't think that you go to your job and, and you say, hey, are we having a Christmas fellowship this year? When's the fellowship dinner here at our job? People will probably be like, what are you, what? Are you, what? But see, it's different in church. I asked my daughter, hopefully she doesn't mind me telling this story. I asked her, you're good? You gave that a print? Okay, good, we're, we're good. I got, I got approval. So... I got to make sure she's getting that age. I probably need approval before I tell stories too now. So I said to her, I said, what are you most excited about our family vacation? We're looking forward to that. We're going on one in October. And I said, what are you most excited about for our family vacation? She said, spending time with my family and our fellowship. And I laughed because I kind of chuckled and said, man, that's a pastor's daughter. She's going to be talking about fellowship on a family vacation. That's, which it is what it is, but we, you know, you, most 10-year-olds are probably not using the word fellowship for hanging out. And so I said, well, she's raised in a pastor's home. We use fellowship a lot in church circles, don't we? And so the word fellowship is found 19 times in the New Testament. It was first recorded in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And it's the Greek word koinonia. Koinonia. Acts 2, 42 says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And we are passionate about doctrine. I think that you could probably go to a lot of different denominations and you will find, you'll be hard-pressed to find someone as passionate about doctrine as a, a apostolic Pentecostal church. The, that, that denomination, our denomination, the, the, what we're a part of, our, our theological belief system, we are passionate about that. We are passionate about that first line. Continue steadfastly, unmovable in the uh, apostles' doctrine. That's why we say we're apostolic, like the apostles. But it doesn't stop there. It says, and in, in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship. Doctrine and fellowship. And so even if you're here today and you're saying, uh, I'm just not a person that really likes small groups. I don't really like to talk to people. I like to keep to myself. Well, hold on a second because the New Testament church says continue in their doctrine and fellowship. So biblically, we have this. And then, and then the beautiful part is it doesn't end there. I have Bible to eat my spaghetti dinner tonight. And I'm not on no carb-free keto, whatever it is. So there better be bread there, I hope. Because I'm going to break it and I'm going to eat it. Because I got Bible for it. And I'll pray before I eat it. But there's doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. There's this whole, this whole just method, this whole culture that surrounded the first century New Testament church. The concept of koinonia is close association and participation centered around common interests. That's what a small group is. Do you know the Bible also says that they ministered publicly and house to house? The first century church definitely believed in small groups. And they did it. And look, in and, 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 and just the meaning of koinonia, it's, it's centered around common interests. So my wife is facilitating a small group this quarter. I've done the other one. She's doing this one. All about hair. And, you know, some ladies like to work on hair and learn about healthy hair and how to do hairdos and stuff. That is not my common interest. 
I guarantee you, if you see my name on that list, somebody's, I just cut almost all my hair off last night. Kind of an accident, but it's still. So I'm not going to that group. I don't think you're ever going to see a guy's group that's like, hey, we're going to get together and work on each other's hair. I just don't think that that's probably going to happen. But there's common interest, spending time together, sharing resources. Five nouns associated with koinonia from Strong's Concordance are this. Connection, communication, communion, community, and contribution. Five C's, right? Think about that. How are you doing in your connectedness to the church? I think we can look and say, how are we in connection, communication, communion, community, and contribution? In our Wednesday night series, we're actually going to be looking contribution here in the next couple weeks. These five things should be found in every local body of believers. Three men were waiting in the same line, began a typical male conversation. You know, we're like, hey, so what's your name? What do you do for a living? That's kind of, I don't know, guys like tend to ask each other that. I don't know why, maybe because we're uncomfortable or maybe because we want to see what they, I don't know. So the first guy says, yeah, my name is Mike. I'm a lawyer. The second adds, he says, my name is John and I'm a doctor. The last man walks up, good to meet you both. My name's Bubba and I'm a quarterback. Obviously impressed, but not recognizing Bubba, Mike, and John asks, what team are you a quarterback for? And Bubba replied, well, I'm not on a team right now, but I have some amazing quarterback skills. What good is a quarterback that's not connected to any team? No matter how great one's individual skills or talents may be, or how deep one considers their personal walk with God to be, the church of the living God is called to be in a united team. Brother Kevin spoke about these concepts this morning. He talked about, how our, con- about our connection in worship, about how our own personal breakthroughs can have a connection even to the body of Christ. Well, that's my own walk. That's my own breakthrough. That's my own issues that I work through. No, 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 no. Sometimes that is something that will speak and give hope and life and redemption to the entire body. Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 12, 12. He says, for as the body is one and hath many members, all members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit, we're baptized into one body. When you got baptized in Jesus' name, you're baptized into one body. You look around here today, and I would never say, everybody here is just just alike. You dress alike, eat the same things, like the same things. That's not the case. If that was the case, we'd all be cheering for the Packers. But, But we're different. We're different, and we thank God for those differences. And, and so being many, so also as Christ says, for by one spirit we're baptized in one body, whether we're Jews or Gentiles, bond or free, rich or poor, what the skin color is, we're baptized into one body. And we've been made to drink into one spirit, for the body is not one member but many. 
In America, we don't like embracing this, 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 this biblical concept. We find an attitude of individualism permeating our culture. We kind of have this, you know, like, if you're going through it and somebody says, how you doing? You know, we're in church, so you just got to say, well, bless God. Bless God. Things are good. I'm blessed, brother. I'm blessed. God's good. Instead of just saying, yeah, you know, uh, hasn't been the great couple weeks. You know, things, things have been tough. Because I need to act as if. But I just, I, I don't, I, I just don't find the, the, the scripture that says be fake and act as if. And so the Bible speaks of a totally different concept. Ephesians 4, 16 says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. The anchor bone connected to the. You're going to be singing it when you go home at some point. As each part does its own special work. Okay, I'll tell you that I don't know what I did, but my toe was killing me this last week. And it wasn't because I did anything active, people that make fun of me for being out of of shape or something. It just was hurting. One little tiny toe. It's unbelievable, all the things that your body does. And one goofy toe is like, hello, I'm here. And it's only one spot of one toe. I might be small, but I am here to remind you every moment of every day that you're walking or wearing a shoe, I exist. He says, it does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. He's speaking about the church as a whole. So we're all members and we're different members. And nobody ever says everybody just needs to conform. That's a cult. It's not what we are. But it's us saying, I come together in, in one mind, in one purpose, bringing different strengths. God does not say, you need to be the arm of the body. You're all one body, and together we make up the body, but we're all parts of the body. And that's the, the beautiful concept of the New Testament church. And so in other words, God's vision for his church is we are all connected This doesn't just apply to individuals. It applies to the entire church. Refuge church as a whole is not often an island by ourselves. We are part of a greater whole. I talked all about this two Wednesdays ago as I launched our new series on the church. And the title was Living Stones. We support on that back wall North American missionaries. Anybody who plants a church in the state of Missouri, we financially support them. Global missionaries, we financially support them. Even now as summer rolls around, the calendar gets unveiled. Well, now we have junior camps and senior summer camps and our Missouri District Family Conference and our International General Conference. Listen, try to get your kids at these camps. They start to see I'm connected to an important whole. There is peer pressure. They're going to get peer pressure all through the school year. But at a camp... The peer pressure is to, why are you standing there? Let's worship Jesus. Why are you sitting down? We should be going to the altar. 
let's go up and pray with our friends. The peer pressure works in incredible ways. And so why am I going to invest so much time, effort, energy, and money to getting my kid to three or four sports a year, which I'm fine, I'm fine with sports. My kids play sports too. But not at the expense of, but not that. Get them to these places where they will pray and worship and develop friendships. And to those who are, you, who are doing that, I commend you for that. And if you can, if you have the vacation time, get yourselves to some of these conferences. Go to General Conference. This year it's in Indianapolis. Next year it's in St. Louis. Get yourself to the conference. See the Global Mission Service, where North American Mission Service, where they walk in with, with foreign flags, with global flags from other countries, and you see the people who are missionaries in other countries, and you hear a mission service. You owe it to yourself to be a part in one of those services at some point. Or the, or the Missouri Conference. You know what? That's, that's held in St. Louis. Take a drive there. Three and a half hours away, check out the conference where churches from all across the state of Missouri come together and hear incredible preaching and incredible music. We worship God together. There's something powerful in that. The Apostle Paul gets, he, he, the Apostle Paul got put in prison. And not only did prison not hinder his own personal relationship with God, but he also didn't let prison hinder his connection to the body of Christ. A handful of Paul's New Testament letters were written to churches while he was imprisoned. If we got imprisoned unfairly for something we didn't even belong in prison for, <laughs> I think some of us would be going, Where are you? Paul's like, not only are we still good, but I'm still going to write letters and say, I miss you. Bring my cloak to me. Bring my pen and my, I'm still thinking about you all. I can't wait to see you again. Even in prison, his mind was on the body of Christ. You know, and that's not just hallmark of, uh, uh, in the New Testament church, is he, the, the expected life of those born again in the apostolic church was connected fellowship. And that was not just hallmark of the first century church. That is an apostolic DNA. It's still meant to be a marker of who we are today. Sometimes we think about repentance, water baptism, spirit infilling, and those all should be fabric interwoven into apostolic identity. But fellowship, koinonia, being connected, these were also meant to be concepts of the New Testament church. The opposite of Dem Bone's song is a different gospel song, one by a guy named Tom Hall. He said, well, me and Jesus got our own thing going. Me and Jesus got it all worked out. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. We don't need anybody to tell us what it's all about. My Lord, I pray to God that that attitude is never in the church. I'm afraid sometimes it gets there because like, I could preach this message and I know that there are probably some people that are like, you will never, never talk me into having someone at my house. You will never talk me into having a small group or doing a small group or going to a small group. Why? Why? Why, not, why, why, are, why are we thinking we can do this alone? 
Is it pride? Is it that you have been hurt in the past and so you want to keep a wall up in order to make it so that you can't get hurt again? That's not what I read in Scripture. Why would we try to do this by ourselves? I'm not by myself. I come every time the church is open. That's not connected. That's important. But that's why it says they taught publicly, house to house. Doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread. There were components that made a healthy church. Important components. These misguided lyrics from this guy imply that we can thrive on just a me and Jesus isolationist Christian view. It eliminates 242 of Acts that says they broke bread, fellowship, doctrine, and they did it steadfastly. That type of viewpoint leads to a gradual inward spiritual stagnation that eventually becomes a human dead sea. Has anyone ever heard of the dead sea in Israel? Right? Somebody, start when you leave here, start texting, blowing up Pastor Chad's phone and say, you're famous. You were on the slide today. So we were in Israel. I don't know if you ever know that. Me and Pastor Chad, we went to Israel. And uh, it's so salty that you're not even supposed to, if you can read that, do not jump or dive in the water. Where possible, use a jetty to enter the water. Enter until you can squat, then lie back gently. Do not immerse your head. Do not splash water on yourself, brother. Don't drink it. Why? Because it's the Dead Sea. It's, it's loaded with salt. It, nothing. There's no life. If you, I, I want to see somebody go fishing in the Dead Sea. You're going to be there a long time. There's not life there. It's so salty. And so there's no life because there is no inward flow into that Dead Sea. I'm sorry, no outward flow into that Dead Sea. All it is is it takes water in, but it never lets water go out. That'll preach right there. Because a lot of us, we live in our Christianity, our walk with God the same way. We take it all in. I wish they would have sang my favorite song. What are we doing? That wasn't a very good message. I was hoping for something better. That wasn't one of his top ten. But we take it in, but nothing goes out. So what happens? You die. Nothing can live in there. Because we are not intended to just take in, consume, 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 and then never pour back out into someone else's life. You continue reading the New Testament, we quickly realize that limiting our understanding of fellowship, though, I'm not just here trying to prep us to go to a spaghetti dinner tonight. If all we do is it's fellowship is just sharing another meal with Christians, then we're going to miss out on one of the most incredible gifts that God has given the church. The Apostle Paul revealed one way we can demonstrate Christian fellowship. It was not just eating a spaghetti dinner. It was not just going to a 4th of July picnic. I doubt that Paul was writing about the 4th of July picnic back then. Romans 15, 26 says, For you see, the believers in Macedonia and Achaia have eagerly taken up an offering for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. Oh, why are we reading this passage that doesn't say anything about fellowship? Actually, it does. The word used to describe offering right there, you know what word that is? 
koinonia. What? King James called it contribution. New Living Translation called it offering. The, Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul uses the word koinonia to describe an offering. Giving to meet the needs of other believers in any form is another way that we are connected. It's another form of fellowship. We don't think of it that way. Continue in doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread. We just think that means go to Culver's, grab a burger together. Fellowship was, it was a whole lives. When you are born into this body, this is why, you know, you walk in, you hear somebody say, hey, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. You're like, dude, what is with the brother and sister so-and-so? It's because you're born into a family, a body of Christ that says, hey, we're one body, different members, different personalities, different likes and dislikes, but we now are unified in purpose. And so, yeah, you're my brother, you're my sister. And so it's another form of fellowship, and, and it's a whole lives being connected. Not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesdays, not just when we go to a, a church service together and three people are working in an AV booth and they need to work together to make everything go. It's so much more than that. When we financially support a North American missionary, a global missionary, when we give to the benevolent fund that some of you might not even know you, it exists, but guess what? When you're a member of this church, that's not meant for the community things. We don't give that out, but the benevolent fund is when you're a member of this church, you don't know it exists until you need it. All of a sudden, something happens in your life, and you go, my God, help me, Jesus. Oh, and all of a sudden, somebody calls you or texts you and says, hey, I know you're in an issue. I know you're trying to get here or get this taken care of, and the church is going to give you $500, $750, $1,000 because people in this church give on a monthly basis to a benevolent fund, and so there's a fund that is prepared when the body is in need. That's fellowship. We once again tighten our connection. How about participating in the Lord's Supper, communion? Two weeks from this Sunday, in two Sundays, we're going to be taking communion during the deeper waters portion. That's not fellowship, is it? Well, in discussing the Lord's Supper, Paul said, 1 Corinthians 10, 16, when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, Aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? Many Christian disciplines can be done privately. Prayer, fasting, reading the word. But do you know there is not one instance in the entire Bible where someone celebrated the Lord's Supper and took communion alone? Not one time. Because even that, we do that together. What the church makes up the body of Christ. The body of Christ is what was broken and blood was shed. So when we gather together for communion, that's why we only do it quarterly. I don't want to do it every week where we get to the point where we're popping a cracker in our mouth thinking, oh, here we go. You know, like it's nothing. It's a few times a year where when we get together, we say, hey, I'm remembering what made us connected in the first place is the fact that the body was broken, the blood was shed. I not only have my sins forgiven, I not only have that taken care of, but I'm now a part of something that makes me a part of a greater whole. 
It was intended to, distract, to demonstrate we're, bigger, we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. But being connected doesn't always mean just fun and blessings. Because, I mean, this has been great. We're taking communion. We're talking about spaghetti dinners. Like, this is awesome. I like this. The Apostle Paul experienced intense physical persecution in multiple, on multiple occasions. And look what Paul says in Philippians 3.10. He says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, if there's an oxymoron in the Bible, that's got to be it. Fellowship and sufferings. How many wants to fellowship and sufferings? Just raise your hand. Like, no, I'm good being made conformable into his death. Paul talks about how knowing Christ in the koinonia of his sufferings. When we suffer for Christ and his gospel, we demonstrate being connected to him and in fellowship with him. He tried to prepare his disciples. He said, hey, if they're going to do it through the master, you're going to do it through the servant. You're not going to be able to escape the things that I'm going through. He straight up let them know. That's the beauty. Why would a good God ever let this? Hey, listen, you read the Bible, you will find that God always says, here is my plan. Here's what happens if you do it. Here's what happens if you don't do it. All the time. Old Testament, New Testament. It's your choice. You will never be able to stand before God and say, I didn't know you. I wish you would have told me. I wish. He has made it clear. And so... Look at the mindset, though, of those first century believers in Acts 5.41. They departed from the, they were on trial. They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Leave that up, please. Oh, how our church's, how our mindset has changed. Today, I go through something, and I'm angry with God. Why would you let me go through this? I want my life to be blessed. Brother Kevin, I'll never forget that message. He said, yeah, we throw around blessed. Man, Kevin's getting airtime today. He says, I'm blessed. I got a good house. I'm blessed. I got a good car. I'm blessed. I got to raise up my job. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. We throw around the term is blessed. But then when something happens in our life, we're not blessed anymore. Why? Because we're so focused on temporal things, not eternal things. They looked at this and said, oh, I'm going through something. I just count it worthy that I get to suffer. I'm counted worthy to, to, they count it worthy to suffer shame for his name. They didn't go, where are you? I'm trying to serve you, and this is what I get. What a different attitude. A different mindset. You see, if we are, if you're persecuted for walking in the light, you go to school sometime, children, you're going to school and somebody starts saying, well, you pray, you go there, you dress that way, you act that way. I don't know what the big deal is. You just smile and go, man, I'm reflecting the image of Jesus Christ. Look what the apostle John wrote in 1 John 1, 7. He says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. It starts with talking about fellowship and ends with the blood cleansing us of sin. What? 
We love to focus. The blood is so crucial, but it starts with, wow, walking in the truth puts us in true fellowship with other believers, and it positions us to be cleansed of our sins. Fellowship with those who have common values and purpose can catapult us to the next level of life and ministry. Encouraging one another to do good and remain faithful is the purpose of biblical fellowship. Fellowship, it's so much more than sharing a meal. It's, hey, we're going to go through these things together. This is why Paul says, bear one another's burdens. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. He had a vision from God as he was inspired to write this text. He got, I think he had a total revelation of, wow, when I was on the road to Damascus, I'm killing these guys. And instead, now God gets a hold of me, and Ananias is there, and, and, I, and I travel with Silas, and, and wow, I, I'm connected to something that's so much bigger and greater than I would have ever imagined and God starts to show him you're born into my body this is the body of Christ it was broken blood was shed and now you guys share in the suffering when you repent and you're buried with me in baptism and you're filled with my spirit and it doesn't just end with the plan of salvation but now he starts to inspire Paul to write down hey we're going to weep with each other we're going to rejoice with each other we're going to bear one another's burdens we weren't meant to be on an island by ourselves And we can live in Western culture all we want, but the word still rings true even in our culture. Encouraging one another. It's more than a meal. It's more than signing up for a small group and answering a question or two. It's about being connected with the body. It's about looking out for one another. If if our only concern every time we come to, if A, if all we ever do is come to church and that's it, we're not connected. If all we ever do when we come to church is just wonder what I got out of the service, we're not connected. If we have no idea who was here and who wasn't here in the last six weeks, and I've never called one person, never talked to one person, I've never reached out to one person, there's a a connection missing there. He's called us to be connected. Our offerings even, financially, they make, when, when we say, hey, I can say, oh, yeah, I want to try and support a missionary. Well, great, I'd throw one plaque on the back. But when we combine, that's one of the reasons why we are an affiliated church with the United Pentecostal Church International. Some churches say I choose to be autonomous. You choose to just hold my license with them, but the church isn't affiliated. And that's fine. That's everybody's choice. I choose not to do that because I want to be a part of this organization. I want to be a part of a vision that is sending hundreds and hundreds of people overseas to take this gospel message out because I can't support that many, but I'm going to do what I can. And when it combined with the greater whole, all of a sudden now we can have ministers in 212 nations of the world. We send out more missionaries when we connect. Worship, Brother Kevin talked on this. Worship is more powerful when we're in unity with one another. I can come in. I don't need you to worship. And that's what people say. I can stay home. I don't need you to worship. I never was conceited enough to say you needed me to worship. I'll tell you what, you try and move and clap and dance with yourself. I mean, it's great, but the song kind of ends. You don't really know where you're going. 
It sure is nice when a praise team gets up there. It sure is nice when I open my eyes and I see someone jumping across the front past me and I hear another voice in the corner and I see someone over here weep and I hear someone clapping their hands behind me. Oh, that's just emotion. No, it's not. Sure, music is powerful. But that's a biblical truth that says everybody in this place is connected. Worshiping the same God, the same body that we've been born into. And we all say, God, I love you. I love you. I worship you. There's, that's why when the spirit was poured out, it said the first thing, they were all in one mind and one accord in one place. Could the spirit outpouring have taken place and they're all their individual residences? Absolutely. God could have chose to do it. But he said, no, no, no. You're going to be born into a church, into a body. So my plan is when I pour out my spirit, you're going to all be waiting all together, all the people together in one mind, in one accord. If we want God to do something powerful, we need to walk into this place, say, I'm on one mind, in one accord, in one body, knowing I'm not doing this by myself. So remember that command, because you know what? It's, you know what else is great? I talked about it last Sunday. How many of you would say you had a great week this last week? Raise your hand if you had a great week. How many of you say, I wouldn't want to relive this week if I, if I, I would prefer not to relive this week? Raise your hand. How many of you don't understand the question? I had some raise a hand, others raise a hand, the others just like, where are you going with this? You ain't going to trick me on this one. Wow. You get an F for audience participation. The point was supposed to be, didn't work out too well, but the point was supposed to be, you're going to have people that have great weeks. People that have rough weeks. It's going to happen. You serve God long enough, and you're going to have some mountaintop experiences. Moses was like, I got the Ten Commandments. I saw a burning bush that was burnt but not consumed. And then he had some points where he took a staff and was supposed to speak to a rock and started smacking the rock. Probably wasn't having a good day that day. Elijah's like, I just called fire down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. And all of a sudden, he's like, I'm in a cave. I'm by myself. No, I'm the only one serving you. Man, that's real stuff. There's going to be some times when you're like, bless God. Let's just go to the altar. God will heal your body right now. He can do it. There's going to be other times you're going to be like, hey, you're just that. You, you ought to be thankful I'm even here today. <laughs> that's real stuff. you know what? When I do suffer, because we will. And we know the goal is to say, yet though he slay me, I rejoice. But maybe there's a moment you just don't feel it. It's certainly nice to have the body and say, guys, I love you and I'm broken right now. Would you pray for me? 
And there's times where maybe somebody puts their hand on your shoulder and you're like, oh, man, so we could pray for me. But before you know it, six, seven of your best friend, your brothers, your sisters that love you start to put their arm around you and their hand on your shoulder and you start to hear someone weep with you. And you start to hear somebody say, God, touch, touch my friend. God, touch, please be with him, Lord. He's going through a trial. God, please, Jesus, be with him right now. And it's not just a prayer, but all of a sudden you're going through it and somebody gives you some resources. Somebody brings a meal to your house. Someone takes you out to dinner. All of a sudden, you know what? It's more than just a meal or more than just a dollar or more than just a prayer, more than just a sitting on a pew together. But as the church grows and hits 100, 200, 500, 700, 800,000, it's going to happen. Oh, I don't want to go to church like that because I'm not connected to nobody. That's why it's important to be in a small group, to develop a circle of friends. Because you can say, ain't nobody in that church care about me. How can we care about you if you don't get connected? How can we care about you if you say, oh, I'm not going to that. I don't like that. I don't like small groups. I don't want to talk to that person. I'm just here, and I'm here to worship, do my thing, and get out of here. Listen, in order to be connected, in order to be cared for, you got to let yourself be cared for. And so that's why he said, hey, as this New Testament church grows, continue steadfastly in doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, in prayers. He knew this thing is getting ready to explode with growth. And if you're going to be a part of this, you got to continue in the doctrine, in the fellowship, in the prayers, in the breaking of bread, because the body still needs to be connected. But the only way it's going to be connected is if you keep going in the things that I gave you. Stay connected. Yes, sign up for a small group. I'm not just preaching small groups. You say, I will never step foot. Well, what is your plan to get connected? Don't try to do this alone. Small groups is just another tool, but they're not just for you. They're not just uh, just another meal. We have a buffet on Wednesdays at 7, a buffet on Sundays at 10, and a buffet at 1. It's not just for you. This is a great opportunity for you to invite a guest. Come to church. I got my own church. Well, you know what? We got this awesome small group. I'd love it if you'd join me. I'll pick you up. It'd be awesome. We eat food. We have, you know, it's activity. It's whatever. You know, we work on each other's hair. David, let's, you might go to a different group than that one, all right? David's like, I was going to have somebody braid my beard. <laughs> Where do I go from there, right? I'm wrapping up. I'm closing. And it's coming to a fast close. It's not an airplane. It's a helicopter today. The first century church did not try to do it alone. Why in the world would you? Why? It is crucial. Well, doctrine, that's doctrine, Pastor. Come on, you're trying to throw doctrine and fellowship in the same thing. That's a reach. Doctrine is make or break, heaven or hell. I mean, doctrine is fellowship. Come on. 
So you mean to tell me that Christ over and over again talked about a body, tree, being grafted in, bear one another's burdens, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. This is what I've called you to be. Continue in fellowship. That fellowship includes more than sharing a meal. These, he has, would you say he has a distinct plan for his New Testament church? So to say, it's okay for me if I align with doctrine but ignore the rest of his plan for the New Testament church. Ugh. I don't know. If, I don't know if and when that becomes a heaven or hell issue. I don't know, because I definitely know that I'm not arrogant or strong enough to say I can do this by myself. I can do this alone. I don't need nobody. I'm strong. That's a little bit why maybe he says, hey, pride comes before a fall. That's why Paul says, take heed lest you fall. I mean, here this guy's in prison and he's saying, his heart was broken at one point when he says, bring me my pen. I'm by here by myself. I think it was Luke was the only one with me. Demas hath forsaken me for this present world. There was a group of people that Paul was in love with, that he spent time with, and his heart was broken in a prison cell, feeling all alone, and what's he doing? He's saying, I can't wait to see you. Please come. The great apostle Paul? <laughs> I mean, he knew, I'm connected to you. And I need you. And I'm in this prison cell. And even though I'm, God's inspired me, I'm writing text to the Bible. Just because someone's in front holding a microphone or being inspired to sing a song or write the text of the Word of God does not mean they don't need someone. I'm telling you over these last few months, some of the trials I've had, there has been nothing greater than when somebody walks up and says, how are you? Tell me about what's going on. And they look me in the eye, not, not one of these. Tell me what's going on. Yeah? Oh, that's good. <laughs> Don't even ask. Then, <laughs> When they look and they say, tell me, are you praying? They put their armor on you. I'm telling you, that's life-changing. Paul, Paul needed someone. I'm in prison, man. My heart's broken. I'm feeling lonely. I can't wait to see the body. That's all he could think about. I can't wait to, oh, I can't wait to visit you. Greet this person. The stuff we skip over in bread chart reading. Tell so-and-so I said hi. You guys ever remember reading this in the Bible? Tell so-and-so I said hi. I can't wait to see him. Embrace him for me. Greet one another with the holy kiss. I can't wait. I got to see you guys. Even in the prison, he knew my heart is connected to the body. Oh, but you're mightily used to God. You're the Apostle Paul. It don't matter. I need you. I miss you and my heart's connected to you. It's his plan. It's his plan. And so today I invite you to stand to your feet. And I just, oh, I, I think I do this maybe once every 750 messages. But I'm going to do something that most of you are going to despise. You're not going to like it. It's going to make you uncomfortable and you're not going to enjoy it. But it's powerful if you will open your heart to it. You ready? 
I think today is a beautiful day to make sure that when you come to this altar, you don't pray by yourself. And that you don't pray with your spouse or somebody that, I'm going to do what Pastor said, but sit in my comfort zone and still somehow work this out. But that you walk over to someone that you don't typically pray with. And almost like Philip, you don't need to walk, but God didn't speak to me. You don't have to walk up and say, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel. How about Philip, when he saw the eunuch, he walked up and said, hey, you're reading Isaiah. Do you understand what you're reading? That's real deep, right? You just walk up and say, hey. Maybe you don't know him. Introduce yourself. If you know him, you say, hey. Mark, and God, pray with you. Is there anything, anything at all that I could pray with you about? Anything specific that, that maybe you want to share with me that, I mean, we could pray together because I want you to know you're not by yourself. And so I'm wondering if maybe as we approach this altar, that that could happen today. Oh, it's uncomfortable. Come on. Come on. We're connected. We're connected. We need one another. We need one another. Why? Oh, because we're needy people? No, because it's, it's his plan for the church. I think I've showed that this morning. And so this morning, I invite you all to come and find a place around the front and to take that step where flesh says, this is awkward and uncomfortable. Don't let it be. Come on. Find someone to pray with before you leave. Why? Because we're connected. We're connected. Don't let anybody be alone. We're 